This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. All Ted you ever heard was hear and obey. That's the tradition of the elders. Hear and do and don't ask questions. But the Lord said something radically different, and that's why this is so radical in verse 10 when he said, hear and understand, because the Lord is saying, hear and think. Think about this. And when the people, they were hearing these things from him that was so different, hear and understand? And their response is really summed up in Mark 127, Mark 127, where it says, they were all amazed in so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, what thing is this? And what new doctrine is this? I mean, when people hear him say, hear and understand, and they say, and so what was that to them? That was like a refreshing breath of fresh air from the you must do and not ask why. It was like a freedom. They were, it was a freedom from these restricting traditions of the elders. It was like a release of the prison of the mind. The mind could now ask questions. They should obey these traditions and question what's the reason for those traditions and know whether they should obey them or not. Now, the Lord tells the people that they are to hear and understand. And then he says, this is exactly what he wants them to hear and understand, which is verse 11. And they should hear and understand that it's not that which goeth into the mouth that defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth that defileth a man. He's talking about source. So, you know, over the last few months at, down in Loretto, we've been smelling this gasoline in our powerboat down in Loretto. So at first it started off with a little gasoline smell, and then it just got stronger, and especially we filled up the tank with gas. And so we started to then see gasoline collect in the bottom of the boat called the bilge, in the bilge. And that's very dangerous. Let me tell you, the worst thing that can happen to you is to be out at sea when your boat catches on fire. That's not a good thing because you, know, you have to get away from it, and there's nothing to hold on to. 
So anyway, so we looked all over for this source of this leaking gasoline. I mean, was it the fuel pump? Was it the filters? One of for months. Was it the hose fittings? Was it a leaking fuel line? So we went and tightened up all the hose clamps and we hope it would stop. But every time we filled up the tank, we noticed more and more gasoline was leaking out into the bilge. Until one day, it was actually a couple of weeks ago, when we had to actually turn the boat around from the sea and we had to come back because the fumes were just overwhelming. Then it became all important to find the source of the gasoline leak. And so finally we pulled the trailer into a gas station and filled it up with gas and then the 130 gallons of gas and then we brought the, the boat over to the boat yard. And by the time we got the boat to the boat yard, five gallons of gasoline had leaked in the bottom of the boat. This is a 17-year-old boat. It was obvious then that the fuel tank was toast. It was very dangerous. I mean, the person in the boatyard was really very afraid because if that boat would have exploded, it would have been a bad thing. And so now we know the problem, and now we can start the long repair of cutting the floor out and getting changing the tank. So it was all about the source of where this was coming from. And the Lord Jesus has just told them in verse 10, hear and understand. And what he really wants the crowd to understand is, where is the great source of sin pollution of the soul? Where's that source? Just as the gasoline was leaking out from somewhere and polluting the bottom of the boat, it was leaking out from somewhere and polluting the boat. So sin was leaking out somewhere and polluting the soul. And just as we thought that, well, maybe it's the hose clamps. And so we, we, we tightened that up to see, but the gas leak didn't stop. So the scribes and Pharisees taught that, no, the, the source of sin is the violation of the tradition of the elders. It's, that's the source of the pollution of your soul. The scribes and the Pharisees taught that not washing your hands, you see, is what's making you dirty. But not washing the hands before eating was not the source of the pollution of their sin just as the hose clamps was not the source of the gasoline leaking out. And so when the Lord Jesus said in verse 10, hear and understand, he's talking about hear and understand the great source of your personal pollution of sin. The great source of the person of our souls, the sin in our souls, is our heart. It's our heart. And nobody wants to hear that. And nobody wanted to hear that in 1967 when a bestseller was written, which was so well received by the world that it stayed on the New York Times bestseller list for two years. And the name of that book was very, very simple. It was, I'm okay, you're okay. And, and everybody said, that's what we want. We wanna hear, I'm okay, you're okay. And what the Lord Jesus says in verse 10, he says, hear and understand that I'm not okay and you're not okay. <laughs> and that's the message of these 10 verses, verses 10 through 20. I'm not okay because my heart's not okay. You're not okay because your heart's not okay. Our problem is internal, not external. It's not what happens to us externally. The circumstances of our life, that's not the source of our sin. Our problem is internal. It's our hearts. That's the great source of our sin, and that's what's polluting our sin. And so the Lord Jesus is saying, hear and understand this. Hear and understand that the overall condition of man's heart is wicked, and not just wicked. It says wicked, it says in Deuteronomy 15.9. Deuteronomy 15.9, Moses said, beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart. Can you imagine Israel hearing this? 
Did he just call our hearts wicked? He did. In Deuteronomy 15, 9, Moses did. And not just wicked, Jeremiah goes on to say in Jeremiah 17, 9. Jeremiah 17, 9, he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. De espoir, without hope. Without hope, it's without hope, wicked, who can know it. And God wants us to hear and understand this, hear and understand that how often are our hearts evil? It's just a, you know, once in a while. Genesis 6, 5, Genesis 6, 5, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Ecclesiastes 9, 3, Ecclesiastes 9, 3, the heart of the sons of men is full of evil and madness in their heart while they live. God wants us to understand that just how polluting that heart wickedness is from Job 15, 14, and 16. Job 15, 14, and 16. What is man that he should be clean? He which is born of a woman that he should be righteous. How much more abominable and filthy is man which drinketh iniquity like water? God wants us to under, understand that this didn't, this didn't just develop sometime in the history of man. This happened from the beginning of our lives as David said in Psalm 51.5, Psalm 51.5, when he was talking about when his wickedness started, it says, behold, I was shapen in iniquity. In sin did my mother conceive me. And God wants us to understand and hear how every person's heart is sinful. Everyone, as it says in Psalm 53.2, Psalm 53.2, God looked down from heaven to see upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that did seek God. Every one of them has gone back. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. And so when the Lord Jesus says this words at the end of verse 11, verse 11, he said, this defileth a man. It was like he was putting the finger right into our chest, tapping on it and saying, here's your problem. It's the heart, not the mouth. It's the heart. The mouth is just a vehicle. And as far as external circumstances go, you know, that boss that fired me for no good reason, that's why I snapped back. That man who cut me off on the road, that's the reason. See, those circumstances, like Pastor Jim used to say, are nothing more than shaking the glass. Shaking the glass, what spills out of the glass was already in the glass. The shaking of the glass didn't add to the glass. It only caused to come out what was already in the glass. And just as the shaking of the glass exposed what was in the glass when it spilled out, the circumstances just expose what's in our hearts when we get disturbed. But this problem, the problem here was that the disciples, they didn't hear what he said. They didn't hear what he said and what the Lord had just said because they were worried about something totally distracting them, which was in verse 12 when it says, then came his disciples and said unto him, knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? Now evidently the Pharisees had backed off, but they were still within earshot, so they heard, I guess, and the Pharisees could, could still hear what the Lord was saying to the crowd and the Pharisees heard the Lord say that it's not what goes into the mouth that makes you dirty, but it's what is already in the heart that comes out through the mouth makes it dirty. And evidently, the disciples 
they were they had an eye on the Pharisees. So you wonder, were they really listening to him or they were just like, oh no, did he say that? You know, so the disciples are watching the Pharisees and they're seeing their reaction to what the Lord said. And evidently the disciples were horrified when they saw that the Pharisees were offended as to what the Lord said. Because why? Because the Pharisees were powerful. They were very powerful. So the disciples think that they're doing the Lord a favor, they're doing the Lord a service, and they tell him, say, hey, listen, you know, you just offended the Pharisees. And so the disciples are telling the Lord that this is so that maybe the Lord can do some damage repair in his relationship with the Pharisees. Now, I don't know what the, the disciples were thinking, but maybe they were expecting the Lord to say, oh, I didn't realize that it was so offensive to the Pharisees. Thanks, boys, for telling me I'll have to re- repair the bridge here between me and the Pharisees. It's been clear the disciples had overrated the Pharisees and they were afraid of the Pharisees and the disciples were full of concern. It really looked like the disciples were like, I wished he hadn't said that. You know, to run down the tradition of the elders, the oral law. And as far as the Pharisees, when you look at just the Pharisees themselves, they were so obsessed with and so attached to their traditions that they could not stand to have the silliness of their traditions exposed. So the Lord doesn't press the point with, he doesn't turn to the disciples and say, did you hear anything about what I just said? He doesn't do that. Instead, he addresses their fear. He just changes the course of what he was saying to address their fear for that moment. In verse 13, verse 13, and he says, but he answered and said, every plant that my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. So with that statement, you say, what are these plants? What is he talking about, plants? Well, he's talking about doctrines, teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. He's talking about doctrines. So with that statement, the Lord Jesus is really speaking about doctrines. Some doctrines were planted by God, they're true planted by God, and some doctrines were not planted by God, such as washing hands before you eat. Now, so where are the doctrines planted by God? That's the B-I-B-L-E. The Bible has the doctrines that God has planted in the earth. And just like a gardener, it's such a beautiful image here of a gardener planting a plant, just like a gardener sets a plant in the earth, so God set his Bible in the earth. And just as the plant, initially, it's foreign to the ground. It's foreign to the ground. The Bible is foreign to man. And just as the ground has to be prepared first before you for the, you put a plant in there, so a person has to be prepared to receive the Bible, like the ground, and it often involves being broken up by the knowledge that, that we have a, a Trojan horse inside of us called our heart. And just as a plant has to be, especially initially, has to be regularly attended to with watering and fertilization, a person has to be disciplined put time into it to read the Bible when he doesn't feel like it. And finally, just as the ground eventually receives the plant, so that really you can almost say that the plant has become a part of the ground, the ground has become a part of the plant, they're like integrated. And so eventually the Bible becomes integrated into a person's life where the Bible becomes so much of a person's life that it's almost like, and even though this is spoken of the Lord, it's almost like the person is reflecting so much of the Bible that he is John 1.14. He is the word was made flesh. And the person then becomes Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ. 
The Bible is the plant that God plants in the earth, that God the Heavenly Father plants. And so what he's talking about in this verse here is that there are plants that the Father did not plant. You know, I was, yesterday I was speaking with a person who, who told me that she attended with her mother a Jehovah Witnesses Bible study. The doctrines of Jehovah Witness are plants that God the Father did not plant. The doctrines of the tradition of the elders in this passage are plants that God the Father did not plant. And the Lord's making it very clear that those plants are the wrong doctrines, such as the tradition of elders, the oral law, they're going to be rooted out, he says, rooted up. It's a very strong term, rooted out. That's the only way you really can remove weeds, in case you haven't noticed. You can't cut them off at the top and then expect that they're going to die. You've got to get the roots, because every little tiny part of a root that you leave behind on a weed, it'll just grow back again. Some, some weeds have very strong roots. Some of these false doctrines of men have very strong, deep roots in people. So that plant, which was not intentionally planted by God, it will be rooted out. And those doctrines that God did not plant have to be rooted out. And even though it's, it, 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 it's very similar in analogy, it's not exactly talking about doctrines in this passage, but it applies in Luke 13.6, Luke 13.6, where he spoke also a parable, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none, and cut it down. He says, Why cumbereth it the ground? God did not plant these false doctrines. Well, if he didn't, then who did? Matthew 13, 24, Matthew 13, 24, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, dost not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath the tares? He said unto him, An enemy hath done this. So these false doctrines of men, like the tradition of the elders, have to be rooted out because they have no right to be planted in God's vineyard of the earth. And they're taking up space. That's why he said, why cumbereth it the ground? So when the disciples came to the Lord and they told him how terrible it was that the Pharisees were offended when the Lord said that their tradition of elders was wrong, the Lord told the disciples, in essence, take it easy. Take it easy. Don't worry about the Pharisees because their doctrines are temporary and they're going to be rooted out. But the disciples were upset and they were troubled and they were anxious about the wrong teaching of the Pharisees. I mean, the disciples felt, well, maybe then we should set the record straight or maybe we should, we're, we're anxious about all this wrong teaching. And at the same time that the disciples were troubled over the rage of the Pharisees, so addressing that, the Lord says in verse 14, verse 14, let them alone, let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, then both shall fall into the ditch. Let them alone because their doctrines are going to be rooted out by God the Father who didn't plant them. Let them alone because they're blind leading the blind. Can you imagine that? A scene like that, a blind person, and another blind person comes up to us and says, well, let me lead you? Anyway, then Peter, he's starting to think about these things that the Lord has said in verse 15, and so then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable, he says, parable. 
the Lord hears Peter ask, explain a parable, and, and the Lord thinks, parable? Who said anything about parable? I didn't say that moral defilement is like unto coming, eating, not eating. Peter just called what the Lord said a parable or analogy. Peter's off base here. He, this isn't an analogy. This is a direct explanation. And when the Lord heard Peter asked that for an explanation of, of this, what he thought was a parable, it really frustrated the Lord to the point where the Lord was getting impatient with Peter and he said in verse 16, Jesus said, are you also yet without understanding? In other words, the Lord expected, he expected the Pharisees should be without understanding, but not Peter. And with that question in verse, verse 16, the Lord is wondering why Peter and the disciples didn't think they didn't use common sense. And the Lord is wondering why Peter didn't see what he was trying to say. So the Lord expected Peter to have understood that the doctrine of the Pharisees were wrong because they were focused on the outward, eating without washing your hands, and not on the inward, where the heart was. And this is the same frustration, a similar frustration that the Lord uh, had with Philip in John 14.8. In John 14.8, when Philip came to him with a question, or a request, really, in John 14, 8, Peter saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, it sufficeth us. In other words, just show us the Father, that would be enough. Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long time with you, and hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me has seen the Father. How saith thou then, show us the Father? So here's Philip. He's heard the Lord Jesus speak so often about God the Father, and so he thinks that his, his request is reasonable. Just show us the Father, the one that you're speaking so much about. And Philip was no way prepared for what happened. I mean, we can just imagine the, the, the Lord, who also wasn't prepared for that. He is stunned on his face as he looks at him and says, I don't get it, Philip. How long have I been with you? He saying, Philip, what's wrong? You spent so much time with me, and now you ask me to show you the Father? Who do you think I am? So the Lord's statement was teaching Philip and teaching us that the truth of 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, Christ, who is the image of God. He's the image of God. Colossians 1.15, Colossians 1.15, who is the image of the invisible God. As a matter of fact, the Lord Jesus is not just the image of God, he is the Hebrews 1.3, brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. He's the express image of God. In other words, you couldn't get a better copy, or you couldn't get a better image of God the Father than you can from the Lord Jesus. Jesus is the complete answer to what is God like? The answer to that question, what is God like, is Jesus. So when Philip asks the Lord, to show him the Father. By the way, I just want to comment on that. What is God like? He was the express image of God. And the closer we get to God, the more we also show what God is like. It reminds me of a little boy who was selling apples in Grand Central Station. And he had his little apple cart there. And people came off of a train and they just were flooding out there. And, and they knocked the boy over and they knocked the cart over and the apples went all over the floor. And the boy was just sitting there broken. And then this man came and he felt so bad, he stopped and he gathered up all the apples for the boy and put it in the cart. And the boy looked at him and said, are you Jesus? 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.